And I don't know if you know this, every Wednesday on YouTube, on Change Church TV, that's what it's called, Change Church TV, they release the praise and worship set. It's called Worship on Wednesdays. So what you just experienced today doesn't have to be limited to today. How many know sometimes during the middle of the week you need, look, some of us Monday, by midday tomorrow, we need a little, little refill. And so every Wednesday, uh, Change Worship drops worship on Wednesday at Change Church YouTube. We want you to be a part of that. Um, Mark chapter 4, verse number 35 says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down. And it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? I want to stop the reading of scripture right there. Can I have your permission? You didn't go to the game. So you're already here. Can I have your permission? I promise I won't keep you long. But can I take my time? Other two servants, I have to clear the lot. Can I? Can I take my time here? All right, we got work to do today, and I promise I'm a, I want to stay within my time, but I'm, I don't need to take my time. So I want to stop the reading scripture. I want to tag this title of the text. I want to talk from this subject in our time together. Can you stand the rain? Clap your hands if you're ready for God's word. Can you? Can you stand the rain? On December the 13th, 1988, new edition. which is one of the most impactful, influential, and electrifying groups of all time. A group that had some ambidextrous acumen that was unique. Some groups dance, other groups sing. New Edition did both. And one of their most successful songs was a song entitled, Can You Stand the Rain? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> and one of the stanzas of that song is sermon worthy because it aligns with scriptural truth. And the stanza is as follows, sunny days. Everybody loves them. But, but tell me, can you stand the rain? Storms will come. This we know for sure, but can you stand the rain? And I believe this is more than a song that New Edition would sing. This is actually a question that God would ask. 
I know we are accustomed to people asking God questions. But when you read the scripture, you'll see that God asks people questions as well. Come on. You see, God doesn't ask questions to get an answer. When God asks a question, he's trying to give one. When God asks a question, it's not because he needs to know something. But when God asks a question, it's because we need to know something that we wouldn't know unless he asks a question that caused us to do some interior examination to come to a conclusion about a thing we would have never come to a conclusion to if he hadn't asked us the question. In Genesis 18, he asked Abraham this question. Is there anything too hard for God? Come on and talk to me. He, 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 is, he is teaching Abraham something. He knew the answer, but he asked Abraham this question because Abraham needed to know what kind of questions to ask when he found himself in quandaries that seemed to be difficult to overcome because the questions you ask determine the conclusions you come to. If you ask the wrong questions when you're in trouble, you're going to come to the wrong conclusions. So Abraham and his wife were well past childbearing years. And God asked an old man who was married to an old woman, is there anything too hard for God? Because the conclusions you come to are based on the questions you ask. You see, if they would have asked the question, can two people our age have a baby, they would have come to one conclusion. But if they ask the question, is there anything too hard for God, then they come to another conclusion. And some of our problem is not our situation. Some of our problem is we've been asking the wrong questions. So we've been coming to the wrong conclusions. We've been asking, can I recover from this? When you need to be asking, is there anything too hard for God? We've been asking, can I do this without the net worth and without the net work? When we should be asking, is there anything too hard for God? We've been asking, can I do this with the mistakes that I've made, with the missteps that I've made, and with the time that I've wasted? When we should be asking, is there anything too hard for God? And just in case you don't know the answer to that question, allow your pastor to help you come to the right conclusion. There is nothing that is too hard for your God. He'll open doors that no man can shut. He'll close doors that no man can open. When he's trying to get you somewhere, there's no Red Sea that can stop you. There's no Jericho wall that can stop you. When he's trying to get you in a room, there's no crowd that can stop you. A hater can be on the other side of the door trying to barricade the door shut. But when God wants you in a place, he'll sneak you in through the window. He'll drop you down from the roof. Am I talking to anybody that can look back over your life and there is evidence that God knows how to get you in places that not only surprise other people, it surprise you. They looking at you and saying, how you get in here? And you looking at God saying, how I get in here? 
but what is impossible with man is possible with God. It's one thing for us to ask God questions. It's another thing for God to ask us questions. When God asks us questions, it's not because he needs an answer. It's because we need to engage in some examination. He asks Adam, Adam, where are you? God knew where Adam was. That's not why he asked the question. But God needed Adam to know where Adam was. So he asked the question, come on here, he asked the question because he knows the devil likes to deceive us about our destination. And the devil deceives us into thinking we're at a place we're not at. Because we are not always where we think we are. We're not always where we think we are spiritually. We're not always where we think we are emotionally. We're not always where we think we are relationally. And what the enemy wants to do is he wants to dupe us into being deceived that we're at a destination that we're not because you will never chase the next level if you think you're already there. Have you ever been trying to help people who can't see where they are? It's one thing for us to ask God questions. It's another thing for God to ask us questions. In the Gospel of Matthew chapter number 9, the Bible says in verse 28, I don't have time to bother this, but it's the 1230, so yes, I do. It, it says, when he had gone indoors... Do y'all see that? The blind men came to him. Wait a minute. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him. Okay. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him. I don't know if the math is mathing for you. In my mind, if they blind... How can they see enough to follow you? But maybe instead of being crippled by what wasn't working, they leaned on what was working. They said, I could sit here because my eyes aren't working, but my ears work and my legs work. So instead of complaining, about what isn't working I'm going to use what is working because if I don't have it I don't need it to get what God's got for me if you don't have your eyes use your legs come on if you don't have your legs use your arms God can get it done with what you've got they follow him inside and he asks them a question do you believe that I am able to do this? He asked them a question. Do you believe I'm able to do this? Now, he didn't ask them that question because he needed an answer. He asked them that question because they needed an answer. They needed to examine not how big their faith was. They had faith. 
They were walking by faith, not by sight. They couldn't see. So they had faith. Watch this. But, but what Jesus was attempting to do is to broaden their faith. So he asked them a question. He said, do you believe I'm able to do this? Because the question is not how big is your faith. It's how broad is your faith. So when we talk about God stretching your faith, it's not always stretching your faith in one area. It's stretching your faith over into another area. Because just because you believed he could do that doesn't mean you believe he can do this. And some of you are in a this season and you're trying to manage it with that faith. And God's like that faith is not what you need for this season. So I got you in a situation where I'm stretching you and said, I brought you out in 2020 and I helped you in 2021 and I made a way in 2022. But now that we're in 2023, do you believe I am able to do this? I got to go, but the text says that they said, yes, Lord. They said, yes, Lord. (laughs) They called him Lord. When you see the word Lord in English in the Bible, the Lord is my shepherd. That is a transliteration, not translation, a transliteration of the word Jehovah. They're saying what Jehovah was in the Old Testament is personified in you in the New Testament. So all that he was is all that you are. And so because you're Lord, I believe. If you were just my creator, I don't know. But because you're Jehovah... This means you are a covenant, that's his covenant name. You are a covenant keeping God. And because you are a covenant keeping God, I believe you're able to be whatever I need you to be. Whenever I need you to be. Because when Moses asks you to tell him what name that he is to go to the children of Israel, when he's, what he is to use when he goes to the children of Israel and say that you sent him, you told him to say, I am. You told him to say, Jehovah. You told him, I am what? I am that I am. I will be who I will be. Right now, all you need is Jehovah. That's all you need because Jehovah is like the prefix. Something's going to come after the Jehovah. But... I'm going to need to be so much to you. Right now, I'm just going to give you Jehovah. And then when you're in a season where you got lack, I'm going to show you I'm Jireh. And when you're in a season where you need peace, I'm going to show you I'm Shalom. When you're in a season where you feel alone, I'm going to show you I'm Shama. And when you're in a season where you need healing, I'm going to show you I'm Rafa. Yes, Lord. Can I heal you? Yes, Lord. Can I deliver you? Yes, Lord. Can I make a way? Yes, Lord. I got 19 minutes. Y'all all right? 
You told me I could take my time. Yes, Lord. Listen to me. Because the strength of your faith is tied to the credibility of the character of the person you put it in. Two people can tell you the same thing. You believe one and not believe the other because it's not the word. It's the character. They use the same words. But one has a track record of keeping their word. One has a track record of saying when I'm going to show up, they show up. And God wants you to know I keep my word. Because the strength of your faith is based on the credibility of who you put it in. It's one thing for us to ask God questions. It's another thing for God to ask us questions. He gets to a point in his journey with his disciples. See, I got time. I was about to say, I don't have time. I got time today because here it is. Here it is, y'all. Here it is. Don't miss this. He, he gets to a point in his journey with his disciples. Disciple means apprentice. It means student. It means mentee. He gets to a point in his journey with them that he stops. He says, all right, we've been chilling together, serving together. He says, now who do men say that I am? Because I know you heard stuff. I want to know what you heard. And they start saying, well, some say you're this person. Some say you're that person. Some say you're the other person. But then he looked at him and he said, okay, now cool. Who do you? He said, because we have come as far as we can go with there being ambiguity in your eyes about my value. I need a church. Did you hear what I just said? How long are you going to keep walking with people who can't see who you are? How long? Y'all aren't talking to me. How many more miracles are you going to have to perform for people to see the value that you... Y'all been together that long, y'all been friends that long, y'all been connected that long, and you still having to prove your loyalty to them? Y'all aren't talking to me. Who do you say I am? Who do you say that I am? This is not about arrogance. It's about awareness. Because what you don't value, you can't steward. What you don't value, you can't steward. If you know a painting is a rare and valuable piece of art, you treat it that way. I wrote a whole book on this. Everybody is equally valuable in the eyes of God. But everybody doesn't add equal value to you. Y'all aren't talking to me today. And you need discernment to know who is God using to add unique value. Because unique relationships should be stewarded uniquely. Now, some people's pride and their arrogance makes them ignorant. 
so they will hear what I said. And their arrogance becomes a filter for their interpretation. And they start saying, I heard you. They start saying things on the inside of them. Uh, they start saying things internally. I ain't running behind nobody. They put their pants on one leg at a time, just like me. Not realizing and recognizing that you don't get to choose who God sends to add value to you. And if you reject the package, God's not obligated to send it again. You're not talking to me. And some of your problem is this. God can't send you uncommon relationships because you keep treating uncommon relationships in common ways. I need a church that is willing to upset the devil because your neighbor's getting a mental breakthrough right now. I need somebody to praise God for your role, for your section. Somebody's getting a mental breakthrough right here. It is not arrogance to set a standard regarding how you will be handled. And a refusal to set a standard regarding how you will be handled is an indication that you don't have a revelation of your value. My wife and I went through something last week. We had a deal pushed back, and uh, I, I, we were going out on date night, and I was quiet. And uh, she can tell when something's off. She said, what's wrong? I said, I'm mad. She said, you're mad? I said, yeah, this was God's gift to me. Felt like Drake. I said, I needed that. I, I'm a king's kid. I don't like anybody else having a say in what I can have and when I can have it. I say, they just woke up a monster. They just woke up something on the inside of me. You don't get to tell me what I can have when I can have it. He gets to tell me what I can have when I can have it. I'm a king's kid. I'm going to teach you. I don't know how you treat everybody else. I'm going to teach you how to treat us. I know who I belong to. Who do you say that I am? Jesus said, we got to get to a point in this journey where I need to know that your view of me is so solid, it's not changed when you get around people who view me differently. I need to know that your revelation of me is so anchored in truth that when people start saying things about me that's not true, you're not moved by that. Did y'all hear what I just said? Because it's one thing for us to ask God questions. 
it's another thing for God to ask us questions. And there's a question we looked at that God asked Abraham. There's a question that Jesus asked the blind man. There's a question that Jesus asked the disciples. There's a question that God, the Father, asked Adam in the Garden of Eden. But there's a question that I think God will ask any of us whenever we ask him for any kind of advancement, any kind of elevation, and any kind of personal evolution. He said, if you want to experience advancement moving forward, if you want to experience elevation moving higher, if you want to experience evolution becoming a different version of yourself, God's like, when you ask me for that, I'm going to ask you a question. And the question I'm going to ask you is, can you stand the rain? Did you hear what I just said? Because you can't get advancement, you can't get elevation, and you can't get evolution without rain. Rain, come on here. Rain in the Bible can represent blessings, but rain can also represent burdens. It can represent unexpected inconveniences that cause you to adjust your plans. Y'all aren't talking to me. Yeah, Pastor Mika had an entire women's event planned with an experience outside in the parking lot yesterday in New Jersey that had to be adjusted because of rain. Can you stand under planning things and preparing for things and expecting things to go a certain way and then all of a sudden something that you can't control happens? Are you flexible enough? Are you innovative enough? Are you adaptable enough to say, I'm still going to do it. I'm just going to pull it from the outside on the inside. Devil, you ain't stopping a thing. Out, Y'all not talking to me in here. That's our problem. Some of, some of us quit too easy because you don't understand you got access to an anointing of innovation two fish and five loaves feeding multitudes that's innovation I don't know who this is for but here's your word I need you to receive it prophetically innovate innovate Innovate. Stop waiting on the blueprint. Become one. Innovate. He's going to ask, can you stand the rain? I want an evolution. I want to be a better version of me. That means rain. Because some people are in love with the inferior version of you. See, just because you don't like this version of you doesn't mean everybody else don't like it. I feel, okay, yes, I'm, I'm yes, okay. <laughs> just because you don't like this current version of you doesn't mean other people dislike this current version of you. Some people love a version of you that you can't stand. We just finished talking about standards. Some people like it that your standards low. Because they don't have to be accountable for their behavior. They can just keep using and misusing you. They can just keep taking you for granted and know that they're never going to hear anything about it.
when you change, some of your conversation does. And conversation creates connection. So now it becomes difficult to connect because I don't want to talk about that no more. You still want to talk about that? I don't want to talk about that. You don't want to talk about making a difference. You don't want to talk about building a vision. You don't want to talk about getting some money. What, what, what are we talking about? When you change, your conversation still. That's what come with change. Can you stand that rain? I'm almost done in the text. <laughs> Our text in Mark chapter number four is an incredible example of what I'm attempting to articulate. This text reveals this principle. On your way to elevation, advancement, or evolution, you're going to run into some rain. It's right here in Mark chapter four. We're introduced to this encounter that Jesus has with his disciples. And he tells his disciples after he had just finished a time of teaching, let's go to the other side. Now, this statement here offers some insight about the nature of divine instruction. What do you mean, Darius? I mean, what Jesus says and the way he says it is a template for the way God's going to say a lot of things to us. The way Jesus leads them in this passage is the way God the Father or God the Holy Spirit is going to lead you and me. Y'all with me? Here, here it is. Here's the nature of the instruction. It is specific and vague at the same time. He says, let us go to the other side. But he doesn't tell them what the other side is. The other side can mean a number of different things. He just says, let us go to the other side. And here's the issue. The disciples had enough faith to move on the specific and wait on clarity for the vague. And sometimes people won't move because they need clarity on the vague before they act on the specific. And God's like, I need you to trust me enough to move on what I told you and trust that when you need the next set of instructions, I'm going to release that instruction when you need it. So instead of bugging out about what you don't know, you got to lean on what you do know because you know enough to get started. You know enough to get moving. You know enough to get going. And I promise you, God doesn't give information incompletely, but he does give it incrementally. He says, I give information on a need-to-know basis, not a want-to-know basis. Sometimes you want to know where you're going before you leave. But sometimes I make you leave before I tell you where you're going. I got Bible. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household. Okay, where I'm going? To a land I'll show you. 
Come on, am I preaching the book? I said, am I preaching the book? He gets very specific. Country, people, household. Then he gets vague. I'm going to show you. You got to be willing to move on the country, people, household, and not stay stuck because of the, I'm going to show you. There's a story in the New Testament where Peter was on, Peter and the disciples were on this boat, and Jesus is walking on the water, and Peter sees Jesus walking on the water. He said, hey, if that's you, Jesus, tell me to come out to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. Peter didn't walk on water. He walked on the word. He didn't move till he got a word. He didn't get out of that boat until he got a word. But he was willing to go on a come. He didn't get any explanation. He didn't get any commentary. Jesus didn't say, come, and I'm going to make the water like a sidewalk. He didn't say, come, and I'm going to suspend gravity. He didn't say, come, if you fall, I'm going to pick you up and walk you back to the boat. He said, come. And some of you are waiting on him to say something else. And he's like, I said enough for you to get out of the boat. I said enough for you to bust the move. I said enough for you to get it started. You got to go on a come. So he tells the disciples, let's go to the other side. And text says this in verse 36. It says, leaving the crowd behind. Let me drink my water. <laughs> leaving the crowd behind. I just need to know, am I preaching the book? Yeah. Leaving the crowd. Leaving the crowd behind. <laughs> it's about to get a little tight. Because here's the thing. He had just finished teaching to masses of people. That was a message. But then he gives a word that didn't apply to the many. many. It applied to the few. And the disciples had to have enough discernment to know that every word is not for everybody. And that there are some people you can't take with you because he didn't say to them what he said to you. <laughs> Leaving the crowd behind means this. It means that sometimes following divine instruction will expose your codependency on the need for company for you to operate in obedience. <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with wanting and needing company, but there is something wrong with having a codependent relationship on people that your obedience to God is predicated on whether or not somebody else is walking the same path you walk. You got to be willing to move on the word God gave you and not try to force other people into obeying something he didn't say to them. 
That's tough. But you got to catch this. If not, you'll try to drag people to places they don't have a word for. And if they don't get their word on the shore, they won't be able to handle the storm. Because the only way you stay steady in the storm is because of the word you got on the shore. There's been times where there are a number of things I would have quit in the middle if he hadn't told me what he told me on the shore. So many times I said, but God told me to come. And it doesn't make sense, but I know he told me to come. And this is not working out, but I know he told me to come. And I don't like this part of it, but I know he told me to come. And I really don't have to take this, but I know he told me to come. And, it's, and if he's the one that told me to come, he's the one that's got to give me permission to leave. The same one that gave me instruction for the entrance is the same one that has to give me permission for the exit. Y'all tired? Let's go. Leaving the crowd behind. There were some places Jesus took the 12. Then there were other places Jesus took the three. And then there were other places he took no one. He went into the innermost part of the garden by himself. Because everybody can't go because everybody didn't hear what you heard. So they get on this ship. I'm done. They get on this ship and they run into a storm. Now this was crazy. What's interesting is this. They run into a storm because they did what God said. They weren't disobedient. They were obedient. And they ran into a storm. They're doing the right thing. And still running into a storm. Now, I'm not saying they were comparing. But they were also, they were probably observing. I'm not comparing. I'm just observing. And they're probably observing other boats. That don't even have Jesus in their boat. And they boat is not going through. Is there anybody here that's honest enough to say, I'm not comparing, I'm just observing. There are some people that don't love him, and it don't seem like they're going through a storm. They're not worshiping him. I'm not comparing, I'm just observing. You do the right thing, and you run into a storm. And the water, the Bible says the storm produces waves. Everybody say waves. waves. And that's what storms produce, waves. Waves of emotion. Up, down. Up, down. And now the waves start taking over the boat. Because the storm is producing waves. Has a storm ever produced some waves in your life? The storm comes. Now relationships are up, down. Storm comes. Health was up, down. Storm comes. Money was up, down. Waves. The wind 
is creating the waves. And so much so that the waves that were outside the boat start getting in it. I'm done. I said, the waves outside the boat start getting in it. It was like, I'm managing the storm okay for a season. I'm not drowning in what I'm in. I'm in it, but I'm not drowning in it. But if these waves keep on coming, I don't know how much longer I can keep my head above water, Pastor. I'm tired of the waves, Pastor. I'm tired of a turbulent sea, Pastor. Jesus, can I have a season called steady? And I'm talking to somebody right now who's so tired of riding the waves and now the waves are getting in your boat. The waves are drowning your joy. The waves are drowning your focus. It's hard to stay focused. The waves are drowning your peace. And while all of this is happening, Jesus, the Bible says, is on the stern of the boat, on a cushion, sleep. And the disciples interpret his inactivity one way. They say, don't you care that we're perishing? They're saying, now, if you care for me the way that you say that you do, you'll be doing something. And just because Jesus wasn't doing what they thought they needed doesn't mean Jesus wasn't doing what was needed. They felt like they needed relief. And Jesus is like, there's no way I'm going to let this storm kill you. Why? Because the only reason you're in it is because you obeyed me. So I have to take responsibility for the situation you in. Did you hear what I just said? Obedience doesn't mean we avoid adversity. Obedience to God means God will take responsibility for our welfare in the midst of adversity we encounter because we obeyed him. It doesn't mean you don't go in the fiery furnace like the Hebrew boys, but it means God says, I'm going to take responsibility to make sure you come out and you don't even smell like smoke. It doesn't mean you don't go in the lion's den like Daniel, but God says, I'm going to take responsibility for you and make sure you come out whole it doesn't mean you don't go in the grave like Jesus but God says if I put you in there I will get you out they thought they needed relief but what they needed was a revelation he said I'm sleeping in the storm to teach you how to handle your next one You only have authority over the storm. You don't have authority over the storm you avoid. You have authority over the storm you can sleep in. It means that when disruption comes to your life, you don't handle disruption in a way that creates more disruption. 
Jesus sleeping in the storm is teaching them how to manage a problem in a way that doesn't create other problems. Because the way you manage a problem can determine whether or not you create new ones. Are y'all ready for this? He's teaching them how, how to not overreact. Don't look at them, but just say it so that your row can hear it. Calm down. Calm down. Don't overreact. The enemy wants you to act impulsively. Calm down. Come down, because this storm doesn't make sense in chapter 4, but when you get to chapter 5, you'll see as soon as they get to the other side, they step, Jesus steps out of the boat, and a man who had been hanging out in a cemetery, cutting himself with sharp stones. It's a metaphor for engaging in self-destructive behavior and hanging around dead people who can't bring you back to life. it doesn't have to be a graveyard for it to be a cemetery and as soon as they step on the other side this man comes and Jesus sets this man free this is what the storm was all about he wanted to send the storm to intimidate them to the degree that they adjusted their plans and did not get to the other side where there was an assignment that they were to fulfill. The storm isn't just about you. The storm is to deter you from how God wants to use you. But because you, I don't even have time to deal with this, but because you don't see what you carry in, the warfare don't make sense to you. The warfare you're under is evidence that the devil has more faith in you than you do. He says, I know what they carry and I can't let them get to the other side. But you've got to stand the rain. You can't avoid it. It's inconvenient. It's uncomfortable. It makes you have to change plans. It's agitating. But you can't avoid the rain. So I got to know how to stand in it. You need to know three things. You need to know the difference between being safe and comfortable. God promised to keep you safe, not comfortable. And just because you're uncomfortable doesn't mean you're unsafe. Just because you're under a threat doesn't mean you're in danger. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Number two, understand that endurance is essential. I got this revelation this week, the difference between endurance and patience. Patience deals with how you wait and if you wait. Endurance deals with how you walk. And sometimes you not only need patience to wait, you need endurance to keep walking. keep moving forward to keep rowing and last but not least you got to embrace the principle of persistence it's not just enough to do the right thing 
Am I making sense? You got to do the right thing long enough until it works. And we got to go, but I know you're tired. You're like, Pastor, I've been in this sea so long. And I hear you talking about endurance, but I'm so tired. And I hear you talking about persistence, but I'm so tired. How long is it going to rain? Pastor, I feel like I'm in a rain season. And I just need a season called steady. The Bible says this. When Jesus woke up, I can imagine he yawned, stretched. The Bible says he rebuked the wind and told the waves, be quiet. It speaks to his sovereignty when it comes to the area of timing. It means that when he get ready for the weather to change, it will. Come on. When he gets ready for the weather to change, the weather has no choice but to change. In the meantime, you just got to stand the rain. Wait on the, I got it, we got to go. But I would have fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the women. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage and he will strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I'm going to pray this prayer of blessing and benediction over you. And I know each week some of you listen to me pray. I need you to do more than listen to me pray. I need you to agree with me in faith. That as I pray this over you, you believe this for yourself. That you receive this by faith. Because just because God offers it doesn't mean you automatically receive it. He offers the world salvation. But you have to receive it. So I want you to receive this. Amen? So Father, I pray for the grace to stand in the storm. I pray for grace to ride this season of waves. I pray for strength for the journey. May it be said of our strength as it was said of the children of Israel when you gave them shoes that did not wear out in the wilderness. We will not wear down. We receive this. Now may you bless us and keep us. May you cause your face of favor to shine upon us. May you be gracious and generous to us. May you protect us. May you provide for us. And above all else, may you grant us peace. This is my prayer for your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at me. I love you. I'll see you next week. God bless. Well, you